evening. This is Lama Jigme Gyatso of the Buddha Joy Meditation School. Welcome to Meditate Like a Jedi. In this evening's live stream, we're going to discuss the Buddha's approach to disappointment. There are many sources of disappointment. Disappointment can come from the outside, from circumstances or devices or objects or people or a tossed salad, including all the above. Disappointment can come from within, from real uh, expectations that may or may not be realistic. Now, from the rational emotive point of view, also known as cognitive therapy, we would use self-talk to adjust our expectations. But that is not what the Buddha taught. And we back and forth between two cameras, like I'm watching a, t- a tennis match at Wimbledon. So I want to make everybody feel special probably just making everybody feel nauseous. So reach for the Dramamine and buckle in. The production of these videos and live streams and podcasts and blogs and class materials and PDFs supported by the generosity of viewers and listeners and readers just like you. If you choose to support the good works of the Buddha Joy Meditation School, um, use the link either on the bio on um, Instagram or in the about section below the live stream on YouTube to get to the website, find the tab that reads donations, and set up a monthly donation in the amount of your choosing through PayPal. Now that we have completed our housekeeping, let's get to it. The Buddha was not big on manifesting. He was not big on controlling our circumstances and making them to our liking. He was not big on us manipulating folks, individuals, people or pets to get them to do what we want to uh, bend them to our will which sounds salacious does it not he was not big on manipulating ourselves controlling what we think or recall or imagine or emote he was not big on control It was big on letting go. It was also big on mindfulness, which means that we exercise the courage to notice what we feel, especially when those feelings are less than glorious, especially when those feelings are perhaps grotesque. We exercise the vulnerability to notice what we feel, 
about our sense of self, about the individuals in our life, about the circumstances in our life. In tonight's meditation, we're going to play with the contemplation and the meditation and the compassion exercises to help us work through disappointment. Now, I don't want this to be a 90-minute guided meditation. I don't think that's realistic or fair to anybody. I would like this to be a concise video, approximately 45 minutes in length. So let's deal with the circumstantial facet of disappointment. This can be applied to the other facets. And by way of quick reminder, if you are if you are if you are with me on the podcast or you are with me on Instagram, you are purely practicing along auditorily. You may wish for some class materials, things that you could look at. And so the class materials that are being used during the YouTube live stream are available for free download. Just go to the, uh, if you're on Instagram, or go to the, uh, go to the bio and then find the link and find the YouTube icon and find your way to my channel, find your way to my live streams. And in the about area below the video, um, you can find the link to download the practice materials. You're following along on a, by the way, I want to give a quick wave to Coraline. And Coraline, if you have any questions, type them in the comment area. If you're practicing uh, through the podcast, in the information area below the podcast, there are links directly to the download page. And Coraline and I were exploring disappointment. So I'm going to go into a screen share mode so everyone can, everyone on YouTube can look at the uh, guided meditations. And I'm going to click the share screen button. Jump around to the table of contents. And let's deal with, let's go to page 12. The Buddha is the, was the first teacher of mindfulness meditation that we know of. He taught mindfulness in terms of four bases or four perspectives of mindfulness. Mindfulness of circumstance and body and feelings and um, mind. 
or to put it in a, in a different way from the perspective of psychology and neuroscience in terms of brain stem oriented survival or midbrain oriented socialization. So in terms of brainstem oriented survival, there's uh, external stressors and internal stressors. And in terms of socialization stressors, there are external stressors and internal stressors. Tonight, we're focusing on the brainstem's external survival stressors. And you might say, listen, this thing that's disappointing is not really going to kill me. But our brain stems do not know this. Our job is not to, to mock and denigrate our brain stems for not knowing better. Our job is to meet our brain stems where they are at and help them to work through this using um, three sets of three contemplations that are known as the three marks of reality. Or Tila Kama in the ancient language of Pali. As you've heard me mention many times before. There's two extreme reactions to our external survival, to the, the factors of our external survival. There's some things we want to shove away. There are other things that we reach for. There are yet other things that we already have that we wish to cling on to. We shall address all three, beginning first with the stressors that we wish to shove away. We are dealing with the phrase loss, and sometimes we experience literal loss, but metaphorically, loss is any experience um, of an external survival oriented or circumstantial oriented stressor. So whether it is um, a computer program that isn't working the way you want it to, or a car that isn't working the way you want it to, um, or any other of myriad of things that may be um, just driving us to drink. And the cool thing is we don't have to know what's bothering us for us to still use these exercises and for them to seep deep down into the crevices of our subconscious and benefit us. Let us begin with the stress of shoving away. This is known as dukkha, 
in Pali. We're going, our first contemplation is a rhetorical question. The power of a rhetorical question comes not from us trying to unravel it like a great Gordian knot or like a Rubik's cube. The power of a rhetorical question is asked not in the answering, but in the asking. So we silently and mentally ask or recite the words of this rhetorical question as we inhale. And then as we exhale, we relax as best we can. That is the magic of the Buddha's techniques. We're going to use crease counting and we're going, we will start with our, we're going to perform one set of four breaths. So we're going to touch the tip of our left thumb to our, its left little finger and slide it down until it comes to rest upon the lower set of creases. Turn your attention now to our right hand. We're going to count upon our right little finger's lower set of creases, and then middle set of creases, and then higher set of creases, and then tip. We're going to advance our right thumb during each inhalation. What, what are the uh, words that we're going to play with? How, hate, loss, relaxing. Return to our second set of contemplations that deal with impermanence or anika and Pali. We're going to count these four repetitions upon the creases and tip of our right ring finger. How could loss always change? We turn to our third contemplation in which we take steps to stop identifying with our external survival-oriented stressor. This is known in the ancient language of Pali as anatta. We're going to count the next four exercises upon the creases and tip of our right middle finger. That's the finger you use to express yourself in traffic. How could loss not be me? Remember, these are rhetorical questions.
we advance now to our fourth exercise where we take a little break from contemplation and dip our toes in uh, the warm waters of meditation. We're merely noticing our metaphoric loss and simply letting go. Pali, this could be described as sati pasati. We're going to count the four exercises upon the three creases and tips of our left index finger. On the in-breath, we're going to silently and mentally recite, notice loss. On the out-breath, we're going to silently and mentally recite, relaxing. So we went from hating metaphoric loss to just noticing metaphoric loss. We did not force ourselves to ignore our emotions or repress our emotions. We were able to work through them by confronting them, admitting them, exploring how they could be impermanent, how just seeking, ceasing to identify ourselves with them. They can be there, but they are no longer that which defines us. And thus we experience transformation from hate to, to merely noticing, to merely awareness. And this is the essence of the Buddha's path of liberation. Having completed our first set of four contemplations, we now view metaphoric gain, which is any external element which could benefit our sense of survival. Or in other words, everything going our way. <laughs> like that happens all the time. So we're going to again begin with stress, which is dukkha and poly. And since we are dealing with our second set of four breaths, we momentarily turn our attention back to our left hand and advance our left thumb up our left little finger until it comes to rest upon the middle set of creases. We return our attention to our right hand, and we will be counting uh, our four repetitions on the three sets of creases and the one tip of our right little finger. We're going to use essentially the same four contemplations we previously used. This time we're going to substitute just 
one now. How crave gain? Relaxing. Remember, gain is anything which we is uh, externally advantageous uh, to our survival. How crave gain? Relaxing. The Buddha was not the first individual to say, maybe good to learn how to let go. And if you're as geeky as me and you've seen the Star Wars prequels, you remember in uh, Revenge of the Sith, when uh, our boy Anakin was in turmoil and he was seeking personal advice from Yoda. Yoda's advice was that we to uh, learn to let go of the things we fear to lose. If that is all we hear, it's going to be overwhelming and almost impossible to apply. However, by knowing the specific techniques that the Buddha taught, the specific contemplations of, that we're playing with tonight, it makes it very easy to let go. We turn now to our second exercise of this set. How could gain always change? And we're going to count this upon our right ring finger. to cease to identify with the literal or metaphoric objects which may which we which may very well contribute to our sense of survival there's nothing wrong with having them we just do not wish to be defined by them on the in breath we're going to ask how could gain in our out breath we're going to recite silently and mentally not be me. How could gain not be me? And we're going to um, count this upon our right middle finger. advanced now to merely to the fourth exercise wherein we silently and mentally recite notice gain relaxing we're going to count the four repetitions upon the three creases and tip of our right index finger notice gain relaxing
This brings us to our third set of four contemplations. So that means we're going to advance the tip of our left thumb upon our left little finger until it comes to rest upon the higher set of creases. We return our attention to our right hand. The words that we silently and mentally recite to ourselves in harmony with the in-breath and with the out-breath are notice gain, relaxing. This is not necessarily the gain we have received. It could quite simply be the gain that we desire. And remember, gain is a metaphor for anything which we feel could be externally advantageous to our sense of survival. Notice gain, relaxing. So this pushing against loss and this, this reaching for gain are like two opposing uh, players on a tennis court. The court upon which they stand is a metaphor for our circumstances, also known as our lot in life, which we can shrink down to the word lot. That's what we're going to explore right now. Just the very sense of clinging we have to our circumstance. Pleasurable or not. Pleasurable or frustrating or neither. So we're going to count upon our right little finger. How grasp lots, relaxing. the next exercise, which pertains to impermanence or anika and poly. We'll be counting upon our the creases and tip of our right ring finger. How could lots always change? How could our circumstances always change? We prepare to count on our right little finger. How could lots not be me? How could our circumstances, regardless of how disappointing or delighting they may be, not be me? How could lots not be me? 
into a fourth exercise within our third set of exercises. We'll count upon our right index finger. Notice lots, relaxing. We've gone from grasping our lot to simply noticing our lot. Notice lots, relaxing. And people say, I don't want to use class materials. I don't want to use a guided meditation text. Or if I use them, how will I close my eyes? To which I remind you that in the Buddha's meditation manual, it taught us to bring our awareness right before us, which is a funny way of saying, keep your eyes open and rest your gaze horizon level within your environment. In Tibet, it is taught that those who close their eyes in meditation are trying to escape. But trying to escape is antithetical to mindfulness, to awareness, and to the vulnerability that is the hallmark of true courage. After all this work, it's time to rest in the nature of rather cryptic, but wonderfully poetic. What that means is during the in-breath, we're going to watch mind's perceptions. We're going to watch mind's perceptions of our body's sensations and flavors and scents and sounds and sights, as well as our mind's perceptions of minds emotions and intentions and calculations and recollections and imaginations. Don't worry. You don't have to label and analyze your experience. In fact, it works better if you don't. Just passively sit back and enjoy the show while silently and mentally reciting, notice this, relaxing. So it's time to slide the tip of your left thumb up your left little finger until it comes to rest upon the tip. Returning our attention to our right hand. Begin with our right little finger. We're going to count three creases and tip of each of our right little and ring and middle and index fingers. Notice this relaxing this is equivalent to free swim or free skate at the public pool or the skating rink when we were kids.
I would be remiss if I failed to remind you that evolutionary biology has already programmed our central nervous system to subtly tighten during every inhalation and to subtly relax during every exhalation. That subtle tightening can be likened to the tightening of the lasso or our perceptual uh, faculties noticing what's going on. Our relaxation, our physical relaxation correlates to our mind's tendency to let go, to release. So noticing and releasing are inexorably intertwined with our respiration and our relaxation. We've played with contemplation, we've played with meditation, now it's time to play with compassion. We're going to play with love and letting go, for love without letting go can make us kind of controlling, nutty. Letting go without love can make us aloof and prideful and feel superior and yucky. But by combining the two together, we have a powerful tool, peace and happiness and spiritual growth. So I'm going to return to the table of contents. And let's see, page 104. So we're going to start off, well, I'm going to decrypt this because this is going to sound kind of weird. On the in-breath, we silently and mentally recite, for this lot, the out-breath, relaxing. What the hell does that mean? Boon is a synonym for good fortune. Lot is a, a condensed way of saying lot in life, which is a synonym for circumstance. So when we say, or silently and mentally recite, boon for this lot, saying, or intending, good fortune for these circumstances. Now you might say, wait a minute, this is supposed to be about love. Why are we focusing on our circumstances? Because we are, all, we are already wired to do so in our brainstem. We do not wish to fight our brainstem, we wish to work with our brainstem and then capture the momentum of our selfishness and apply it to our love of our neighbors and our fellow earthlings and all beings of all worlds, whether they are real or imagined. We don't have to worry about being Merlin the Magician or Gandalf the Grey. It's not our job to be a sorcerer. It's enough to constantly cultivate the intention that good things happen. This is called wishing love. Every healthy mammal has a midbrain replete with anterior gyrate and a wealth, a constellation of mirror neurons. Every healthy mammal is wired for empathy, compassion, and cooperation. 
and the these the following four exercises seize upon that wiring that is already there and work with it to strengthen the neural connections and strengthen our skill at caring we are all wired to sprint look at a toddler they can't help themselves but someone who sprints under the expert guidance of a coach every day for 20 years is going to be a much better runner than someone who sprints oh no once every 8 years there the power of repetition cannot be overstated with this rest the tip of our left thumb upon the tip of the of its left index finger as if to say okay now i've heard that some white supremacists have co-opted this but that's just silly we're counting or not white supremacists we love everybody everywhere and if not we're going to work on it and do because that is how we are wired regardless of the lies that may have been fed We're going to count the next four repetitions upon the uh, right little finger. Going for this lot, relaxing. Now we turn our attention to our neighbors. Who who are our neighbors? Wherever we go, whatever living beings we are able to experience with any one of our five senses, those are our neighbors. With our right, let's count upon the three creases and tip of our right ring finger. Boon for neighbors relaxing advance to the third exercise in the set and we advance to the middle finger of our right hand boon for earthlings relaxing all the thing beings upon this terrestrial sphere whether they walk or crawl or swim or fly even if they vote the way we don't want them to vote or believe the way we don't want them to believe and while we are on the subject of love Remember there's nothing loving about murder about killing another living being or exploiting another living being so that we can eat their flesh or their eggs or their milk choosing a whole food plant-based diet is one of the easiest ways to minimize the harm we do to other living beings and ironically 
it's a great way to minimize the harm we do to ourselves. Boon for earthlings, relaxing, or counting upon our right middle finger. Fourth set, we shall count upon the three creases and tip of our right index finger. Boon for all beings, relaxing, we're going full sci-fi geek, all beings of all worlds, of all galaxies, and each facet of the multiverse, real or imagined, conceivable or inconceivable. Boon for all beings, relaxing. Learning crease counting, like riding a bike. A bike. At first, it seems impossible and slightly um, outrageous. But within a week or so of twice daily practice, you get so good at it that we wonder what all the fuss was about. My friends, I thank you for your time and kind attention. Everything the Buddha Joy Meditation School does, it does for free, but we welcome donations for the things we do do not come cheaply. So to quote Jasker from the first season of The Witcher, toss a coin to your Witcher or Valley of Life. You can do so through the website. Until next we speak, may you and yours be healthy and happy. Good night.